Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let Mom's Green Thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give Mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I have finally stopped buying aspirational groceries. Grammar Girl here. I'm Mignon Fogarty, and you can think of me as your friendly guide to the English language. We talk about writing, history, rules, and other cool stuff. This week, we'll look at the difference between two lofty words, and then we'll talk about some interesting problems with tools like ChatGPT. A listener named Christy asked this question, quote, Can you explain the difference between inspirational and aspirational? I started hearing people use the word aspirational where I thought inspirational would work. From context, they seemed the same to me, and when I looked at the difference, I still couldn't really figure out how I'd use them differently, unquote. Thanks, Christy. This question caught my eye because I still remember the first time I heard the word aspirational because it seemed new to me. I was in New York meeting with my publisher for the first time, which would have been about 16 years ago now. And while he was explaining things to me about the publishing industry, books about arts and crafts came up. He said books about projects like working with stained glass or even writing a novel were aspirational in that people want to do these things, but most people never actually do the things described in the books. They simply aspire to do them. There's an older definition of aspirational that goes back to the late 1800s and means something like having aspirations. Here's an example from a 2012 Harvard Business Review interview about looking for a job. The interviewer asks how much of a job search should be, quote, dreaming and inspiring and sort of spreading your wings, and how much do you really need to be grounded, realistic, unquote. And the interviewee says, quote, I hate to tell people not to be idealistic and aspirational, and there is a time and a place for that. And my initial instinct upon hearing that question is to split it 50-50, unquote. She says to give 50% of your time, energy, and resources to, quote, areas that are idealistic and aspirational, and take the other 50% and invest in realistic opportunities that may come to fruition, unquote. But a newer but very related meaning of aspirational, with it being used essentially as a marketing term, only goes back to 1981, according to the Oxford English Dictionary. The first example there is from the Wall Street Journal and reads, quote, Harris is offering free parking and trying what it calls aspirational TV advertising. 
that forgoes views of casino and hotel interiors and furnishings in favor of a stylish male customer who, while dressing, daydreams of showgirls, gourmet dinners, and gaming tables, unquote. Essentially images of the things he most hopes he'll be doing. So it's always risky to attribute the coining of a term to the first citation, because it may not really be the first use. The word could have been floating around in the culture before it appeared somewhere dictionary makers could make note of it. But there's a small chance this meaning of aspirational was invented by a casino, which, I don't know, just strikes me as funny. But here are a couple of other examples to help you get a better sense of the meaning. This one is from the blog Hyperbole and a Half. The worst part is when you realize all of your aspirational groceries have gone bad and you need to throw them away. And this one is from an interview in Glossy with a jewelry designer who said, quote, I don't want us to be an aspirational brand. We try to give people things they can afford, unquote. A Google Ngram search shows a steady increase in the use of the word aspirational starting around 1990 and for some reason picking up around 2010. And it's consistently been more popular in British English than American English, at least in the books included in the Google Ngram database. Inspirational is a far more common word, and there are about six times more examples of it in the corpus of contemporary American English than there are for aspirational. We have sentences such as, he's an inspirational figure, she has an inspirational message, and I find it so inspirational to see someone achieve their dream. Overall, just tons of examples referring to inspirational books, articles, songs, stories, and speakers. So to sum up, you can be aspirational when you aspire to do big things. And today, aspirational is also often used by marketers to describe a product or purchase that people want, especially if it's something people believe will make them better in some way or will help them live the life they want to be living or something that seems like something better people or richer people have. By comparison, something inspirational is designed to inspire, to fill you with the feeling that you can do something. The way I think about it is that an author may design a book to inspire people to make stained glass, for example. And people may even say they found the book to be inspirational. It did inspire them. It made them want to make stained glass, imagine themselves making stained glass, or even actually doing it. But the purchase of the book is often aspirational in that people bought it because they wanted to be the kind of person who makes stained glass or they hoped they'd find time to make stained glass. I hope that helps. Thanks for the question, Christy. If you're on a GLP-1, you're probably loving the results. You look good. But how do you feel? How about the stomach issues? Loss of muscle mass? Lacking energy? All of those side effects can take a toll. So now what? The answer is GNC. We have solutions that can help address those side effects and make sure you don't get knocked off your path. Because when it comes to living healthy, we're all about it. And that includes keeping you going on your GLP-1 journey. GNC. At Amica Insurance, we know it's more than a life policy. It's about the promise and the responsibility that comes with being a new parent. Being there day and night 
building a plan for tomorrow, today. For the ones you'll always look out for, trust Amica Life Insurance. Amica. Empathy is our best policy. Spectrum One is a big deal. You get Spectrum Internet with the most reliable internet speeds, free advanced Wi-Fi for enhanced security and privacy, and a free Spectrum Mobile Unlimited line with nationwide 5G included, all while saving big. For the big speed, big reliability, and big savings you want, get Spectrum One. Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit Spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply. Do you know what Seattle Public Schools, Bank of America, and Italy all have in common? Don't worry, that question isn't a setup for a punchline. What they all have in common is that they all banned ChatGPT in some way. And those aren't the only schools, companies, and countries that banned ChatGPT in 2023. It seems that ChatGPT bans are being imposed or lifted on a daily basis as school administrators and teachers, business executives and managers, and government officials grapple with this new tool. Some of the problems have to do with internet privacy, but our focus here today will be on ethical and legal issues related to accuracy, plagiarism, and copyright. Even if you haven't used ChatGPT, you've likely heard or read about this technology that launched in late 2022 and has been breaking records ever since. ChatGPT had 1 million users in its first five days and got to 100 million active users in its first two months, making it the fastest growing app of all time. To put those statistics into perspective, it took nine months for TikTok to reach 100 million users, two and a half years for Instagram, and four and a half years for Facebook. ChatGPT stands for Chat Generative Pre-Training Transformer. Whew, gosh. Basically, it's a natural language bot. Sometimes it's referred to as artificial intelligence, even though it technically isn't. As John Leffler, writing for TechRadar.com, explains, ChatGPT is not a rational actor. It doesn't understand what you're saying. Instead, it recognizes key words and generates a probabilistic response. ChatGPT can't function beyond the parameters set by its developers to mimic human language patterns, but it does that very well. With all these tools, you can write a prompt to create a poem about dogs written in the style of Emily Dickinson, write an email to bank customers explaining compounding interest, or prepare a lesson plan about astronomy for sixth graders, and in a matter of seconds, the chatbot responds. It can even reply to follow-up questions as if you're having a conversation with it. However, the responses it gives are not always correct. When one blogger asked ChatGPT to, quote, please write a blog post discussing South Dakota's oldest and youngest governors, unquote, the response was well-written and plausible-sounding. But the name and the description of the accomplishments of the supposed youngest governor were entirely fabricated. Others have noticed that when ChatGPT includes citations, those are often fabricated, too. For example, a lawyer used ChatGPT for legal research to respond to a motion to dismiss. He trusted that the ChatGPT results were accurate, 
But he later realized, after he submitted it to a judge, that it was riddled with phony court cases and opinions. The judge was not amused, and the lawyer, along with a second lawyer in his firm whose name was on the briefing, were sanctioned and fined $5,000. So although ChatGPT might save you a lot of time with research and writing, it can also cause ethical and legal problems depending on how and why you use it. The next two areas where we're going to advise you to use some caution relate to plagiarism and copyright. Plagiarism is an ethical issue that involves copying from another source without proper citation. Basically, it's taking credit for having written something you didn't write, which is what many people are doing with results produced by ChatGPT. Even if you change, add, or delete a few words— If you don't cite the source, it's still considered a form of plagiarism that some call patch writing. Although the word patch writing isn't listed in the Merriam-Webster online dictionary, that website currently has a page describing what patch writing is and explaining that they're watching it for likely inclusion in the future. The online Collins Dictionary is also considering adding the word patch writing, and some schools have already developed policies against patch writing. So it is a word currently in use, even though you may not find it in a dictionary. While dictionary editors are considering adding the word patch writing, perhaps they should also consider updating the plagiarism definitions. Currently, dictionary definitions of the word plagiarize or plagiarism refer to copying from another person without citation. However, proposed definitions for patch writing use the phrases source text or source material when referring to what was plagiarized. If dictionary definitions were updated to define plagiarism as copying from another source rather than from another person, then that would be more applicable to this age of increasing technological advances such as ChatGPT and similar tools that produce non-human created content. Moving on, although citing ChatGPT as a source might possibly address any plagiarism or patch writing concerns, there are still copyright issues. For example, the United States Copyright Office won't grant copyright protection for works generated by tools like ChatGPT because a work must be, quote, human-authored, unquote, in order to be eligible. In March 2023, the U.S. Copyright Office reiterated that, quote, copyright can protect only material that is the product of human creativity, unquote, and that the word author used in the intellectual property clause of the United States Constitution specifically refers to humans. So if you're planning on writing a short story or song lyrics with these tools, for example, know that you won't be able to legally copyright it. And the U.S. Copyright Office isn't the only organization emphasizing that an author has to be human. A number of journals have updated their policies to explicitly state that ChatGPT can't be listed as an author or co-author because authorship entails responsibility and accountability that only humans can meet. Beyond your own work, there are also major ethical and legal questions about the material that ChatGPT is trained on and its copyright status. You might have heard more about this in relation to AI-generated audio and visual work, but it's just as true for written work. Expect to see more stories in court cases addressing these issues in the coming months. So, tools like ChatGPT are fun to play with and have their uses— 
which many media outlets have been covering breathlessly for months. And they're also likely to get even better in the near future. But while the technology might be promising, we thought you might benefit from a heads up about the problems you may have heard about a little less. That segment was written by freelance writer Brenda Thomas, who's also worked as an online educator and instructional designer of online courses. And just as I was recording this show, two authors filed a class action lawsuit against the company behind ChatGPT, claiming copyright infringement because their novels were included in the training data. And it appears the gaming platform Steam may be rejecting some games that rely too heavily on AI-generated graphics or text. As Brenda said, expect to see many more stories in court cases addressing these kinds of copyright issues. Before we get to the Familect story, I have a quick question from Eric about a recent episode. Hey, Grammar Girl. This is Eric Deckers, your occasional contributor and longtime listener. A couple weeks ago, Will from Seattle had asked you about the ever words and your use of why ever. And you talked about those different words, and you talked about a more archaic word, whithersoever, and that got me to wondering about the other soever words, like whatsoever and whosoever. And I was wondering if there is any use of those words other than just more formal usages of whatever and whoever. So I wondered if you could talk a little bit about that and tell us if we still use those words or if they are just used by the stuffy language types who want to sound very formal. Thanks a lot. I love your show. Thanks, Eric. All of those soever words do exist, except whysoever. So that's interesting, given that whyever seems to be the least common of the plain ever words. It didn't make the soever cut at all. I found all the other ones in the Oxford English Dictionary. Whosoever, whomsoever, whatsoever, whensoever, wheresoever, and howsoever. None of them are frequently used words, but the OED says whatsoever is the most frequently used of the set, and a Google Ngram search shows the same thing. And howsoever is interesting in that the OED includes examples in which the word is split in two. For example, there's a line in Shakespeare's Love's Labor's Lost that reads, quote, How low soever the matter, I hope in God for high words, unquote. Thanks for the question. And now I have a family-like story. Hi, Grammar Girl. My name is Tommy. I've been an avid listener for 15 years now, and I am calling in with a family-like. Uh, my husband and I are both really fond of non-standard plurals, and in particular, they're odd or silly singulars. So, for example, we'll always point out an interesting graffito, since the Italian word graffiti is the plural of the singular graffito. And, of course, we'll seek out other ridiculous hypercorrections. So I might sample a single spaghetto from the pot to see if the spaghetti is cooked enough. Well, two words that have become part of our regular vocabulary are both Japanese words, emoji and sushi, that we treat like Latin plurals in order to refer to a singular example, the same way that fungi is the plural of fungus. So, for example, our cat has a package of four cat toys shaped like different sushi, and we'll ask her if she wants us to throw a sushis. Or we might go into our emoji keyboard in order to type out a singular emojis. Uh, thanks, Grammar Girl. That's our family act. Thanks for the call, Tommy. That is a lot of fun. If you want to share the story of your family act, a word your family and only your family uses, call the voicemail line at 83321 4GIRL. 
It's in the show notes, and be sure to tell me the story behind your familect, because that's always the best part. And this is actually a good time to call, because I'm a little low on stories. Grammar Girl is a quick and dirty tips podcast. Thanks to our audio engineer, Nathan Sams, and our director of podcasts, Adam Cecil, who has sent 18 international postcards through the postcard swapping site, Post Crossing, since he joined in February. Thanks also to our digital operations specialist, Holly Hutchings, our marketing associate, Davina Tomlin, and our ad operations specialist, Morgan Christensen. And I'm Mignon Fogarty, better known as Grammar Girl. That's all. Thanks for listening. Spectrum One is a big deal. You get Spectrum Internet with the most reliable internet speeds, free advanced Wi-Fi for enhanced security and privacy, and a free Spectrum Mobile Unlimited line with nationwide 5G included, all while saving big. For the big speed, big reliability, and big savings you want, get Spectrum One. Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit Spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply. Meet Janice. Unfortunately, her thing is sneeze attacks every time spring returns. I literally sneezed 40 times in a row once. Luckily for Janice, at the Walmart pharmacy, she can get over-the-counter allergy relief for things like sneezing, runny nose, and watery eyes, fast with online pickup or delivery. No more suffering? That's nothing to sneeze at. (laughs) I see what you did there. Help survive allergy season with fast online pickup or delivery from Walmart. Welcome to an easier pharmacy. Welcome to your Walmart.